with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, today here on uh, After 9, this is Echo Wiley. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm... Uh I'm uh, going to be bringing you a show today about the plastics plant and what that means to us in Prince George. And if we are really, really in a position uh, globally and locally to be doing that. There are so many issues to do with plastics. It's uh, not within our sustainable and renewable energy. We uh, wish that things would be a lot different. Uh, we don't want to be contributing to the plastics issue within the planet. There is so much problem that's polluted the whole planet from the deepest oceans of the Arctic, uh, deepest oceans to Arctic snows and alpine soils. And we know darn well it harms wildlife. And there's also concern as to the growing amount of quantity of microplastics in the food that people consume and in the air that we're breathing and the water we're drinking. So we, as a community, have to decide whether we want to be a major contributing factor to this issue to do on our planet. So today we have helping us uh, understand these issues. We have uh, PATCHA, the People's Action Committee for Healthy Air, and we have on the air today Joe Graber and Dr. Marie Hayes. So we're going to start today with Joe. Thank you, Joe, for coming on the air and talking to us about this. How's it going, Joe? Pretty good, thanks. Oh, good. Thank you, thank you. It's good to hear from you, my dear. Mm-hmm. Same here. Right. Well, like with you. <laughs> Sorry. Good to hear. Right on. Well, we just uh, blew our nerves for the day here on, <laughs> on the radio. The things went well, a little sideways. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd better hang up and call back. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. That worked really well. Okay, good. So um, this has been uh, quite a event for you folks at Pacha, you and Dr. Marie. Hey, um You've been personally engaged and semi-professionally engaged with this for a long time. Uh, how's how's this been for public engagement? And uh... yeah, well, <laughs> it actually goes back to the mid 1990s when uh, I was one of four opponents to the MDF plant, which was a very controversial issue in those days, and was the same, you know, uh, jobs for um, poor environment because they were bringing all the wood here and and uh, and and making MDF out of it uh, but we would be getting the pollution and um, the uh, beehive burners were were shut down in smaller communities so the smaller communities benefited but we were not going to be- benefit from from the point of view of air pollution certainly from the point of view of jobs and that seems to be the the problem all the time or the concern all the time so anyway um, at, at that time uh, Patcha had not been formed yet and at that time um, I spoke at council for a good half hour uh, after when they were doing a rezoning uh, for that property and uh, I, I asked that the city look at outside communities uh, you know outside the city because the city bowl is compromised more and more and um, people that were proposing the 
steel mill uh, just before that in, in the 1970s, I think it was mid-70s, uh, were wise enough to look at the Salmon Valley for, you know, to put that kind of mill outside the city, not inside the city. Uh, but the people that are proposing this chemical plant are not that wise. Uh, now, the city has been that wise because they uh, they looked at 2003 with uh, uh, following my suggestion and probably other suggestions, etc. You know, uh, the idea finally popped into their head that that might be the thing that they should do. And they did a study uh, with, with Ministry of Environment and, and with... Uh, with the regional district to lo- locate where could such plants be located, and there were four locations. Those four locations are actually identified on us, and, and I checked two days ago, they're still identified on the city website. If you're looking for heavy industrial property in the city of Prince George, they're not pointing you to anywhere in the city of Prince George, they're pointing you to those four sites outside the city of Prince George. It is beyond me, beyond my understanding of why the proponents were not told that. And when we, for Patcha, three people, three members of Patcha, the executive, were met with the three proponents twice um, uh, as a private meeting uh, for about an hour each, uh, first, we sort of felt each other out, and uh, and then everybody got some homework to do for the next meeting, and so the next meeting fo- uh, followed. And at the first meeting, I asked, did you realize that uh, a plant such as this was not to be built in the city because of the OCP, Official Community Plan, mentions that in Section 6, Clean Air, uh, and the zoning. There is no zoning for such plants as new plants. So there are existing plants, and that is the pulp mills, which today would never be built in that area. But in 1965, when the city was smaller and, and we knew less, and that is one of the things that happens over time, is people start to learn more and more things from other communities and what happens to people's health, etc. Those plants probably would never have been built there uh, in, if they were applying today. So um, the question that I have is, is process being followed? And the process in my mind is, you know that the OCP says that that is not allowed. You know that the zoning is not there for that on that property. Why are we looking at an environmental assessment in the first place when those things are not in place? So let's move this thing forward. Let's move this forward to where the environmental assessment is going to say, yes, under certain conditions, this plant will be allowed on that site. It now has to go to rezoning. It now has to go to OCP change. And what will happen then is that the city's council that is in an administrative hearing process at that time should be coming in with an open mind to listen to all sides of the issue. Yet they are the very people that have identified and probably in this case even asked this group of people to come back 
onto the same piece of property and go ahead. Their mind is already made up. Where's the public? Yeah. That's the question. That is the question to me. Not whether this is a good plant or a bad plant or whether there are jobs or whatever. None of the city bylaws deal with jobs. None of them. They deal with public health. They deal with reasonable location of, of industries to commerce, to, to private residences, etc., etc., to recreation places. They deal with that kind of, of thing. There's not the word jobs is in none of those bylaws. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, it's obviously something we need, but I believe that we're pretty intelligent and uh, we can find other jobs other than something that's going to be further destroying yeah. our airshed and, and, uh, and our basic quality of life. As I was just speaking with Alan earlier, shall, what, what shall we do? Shall we uh, let the plant come in and move all of our homes further away so we have uh, air quality? Or Well, the, the other thing is that if, you're look, if you actually look at the, uh, the, the, the map, uh, and especially the zoning map and future, future subdivisions, etc., as College Heights moves past... Um, uh, past the area where it is now and moves further southwest, uh, it will become closer and closer to the plant. Absolutely. So, you know, that has to be given consideration as well, although the, the, um, the wind directions, the predominant wind directions from the south are probably the worst ones in that particular case. But that's a matter for the environmental assessment. But, I, you know, in, in my world... And, and my world has, a, I've been in the city since 1973, and I started working for Desmond Parker Architects and Town Planner, Central Interior Planning Association. And I was involved with city planning uh, in, in that area, mainly with architectural park, but also with city planning. And, and in, in architectural uh, education, you also take city planning uh, uh, courses. So uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the process. I'm familiar with administrative process. I, I'm familiar with, uh, I, I've been on, on city committees that report to council on several of them, including the Healthy City Committee, uh, Healthy Healthy Communities Committee, uh, including uh, the Planning Committee. We no longer have a Planning Committee. Do you know that almost every other, I think I'm, I'm correct in saying this, this, that the other cities this size all still have their planning committees. We don't. Question is why? This would come in, cr in front of the planning committee. And so there's no public input. There, you know, this, this notion of, of the public being the ones that, 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 that hire the that, that uh, elect the city officials, the city officials that, that hire the people that work for them, uh, that notion seems to have disappeared. And it's not only this city. I'm not accusing the city of doing that. It, it is actually part of other cities as well. And I'm working with Terrace right now on a similar situation. Exactly the same characteristics. Exactly the same. Truly, hey, um, 
uh, it's just mind-boggling. So what, what is it that we need to do to uh, actually engage the public more? Is there, are they not, the city not obligated to bring us on board to discuss this if we really feel we want to be contributors to this uh, basically global devastating uh, issue of, of plastics? Well, you know, there are several issues and the different people, and, and you're going to have Dr. Marie Hay on, on afterwards, I understand. Yes. So she has a slightly different take on this than I do. Uh, so, you know, people, we're all different. Um, so there are those people that are, like myself, uh, would agree with this plastic plant being outside. And one of the reasons actually is uh, because I've been involved with forestry and forestry, um, sustainable forest management practices, God, for about 25 years. And what there is, forestry has a, a, what they call a green stamp. And it used to be CSA that, uh, that we, we were working with. Uh, they now went to another, uh, another, Green Stamp organization. And that, Green Stamp means that when you buy the Los Angeles Times or when you buy a Vogue magazine from Chicago, printed in Chicago, uh, those type of publications that use our pulp uh, and, and our paper uh, to print on those, they have that green stamp that the, the paper comes from sustainable forest management practices. There is no such thing in the chemical industry. Truly. My, my inclination, what I would dearly wish, because I've been involved with that, and I asked them that on the first meeting that we had, would you be supportive of having a group such as that? The answer was a definite no. Hmm. Well, that's crazy. Well, Joe, we got to take a quick break here, and then we will be right back to uh, allow you to inform us more on this subject. Thank you. Featuring the latest songs from artists in Canada and from around the world. Hosted by DJs from coast to coast to coast. 30 minutes of Canada's newest music downloaded exclusively from the Earshot's digital distribution system. For more information about the show, check out earshot-distro.ca. Listen up, Canada. This is your show on your station. Canada's Earshot Daily. Earshot Daily, weekday nights at 11.25 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hi, I'm Trevor from Chieftain Auto Parts. Stay warm inside and out this winter. See us for a great selection of interior car warmers, battery warmers, oil pan heaters, and more. We've got rugged work gloves that protect hands against cold, grease, and dirt. Extension cords, antifreeze, lock de-icers, snow brushes, and keep safe. Be seen with high-visibility safety vests. We've got you covered this holiday season at Chieftain Auto Parts, 555 3rd Avenue and on the Hard Highway. Seasonal closures at select parks and outdoor civic facilities are now in place. The gate at the entrance to Connaught Hill is closed to traffic. The outdoor public washrooms at Duchess and Clayton Memorial Parks are also closed, as is Massage Place Stadium. Motorists are reminded that winter on-street parking restrictions are now in place for residential areas, the downtown, and Priority 1 roads and hills. Full details on snow removal procedures, park closures, and parking restrictions are available on the city's website at PrinceGeorge.com. 
Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, wind at 15K, a high of minus 1 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 6. Partly cloudy tonight, wind continuing, a low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 11. For Tuesday, sunny, wind continuing, a high of minus 3 with a wind chill to minus 11 in the afternoon. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, here we go. Uh, We are talking about the petrochemical plant, which will be creating more plastic for our world, and we will be the contributors of that. July 2019, West Coast Olefins offered us a $5.6 million plant for Prince George. Then we said, no, we do not want that in our airshed or our lives uh, and then they decided they were going to try and move out to Summit Lake area where they were uh, not successful either and then in October 2020 they figured they might move to Kitimat to uh, uh, infect their area with this type of pollution. So um, what we are going to talk about now is the hard and fast issue of jobs they say that they're going to create thousands upon thousands of jobs which i can see being the case in the construction phase which will create its own devastation uh, to our community uh, as well as a financial gain but as i said there's we're pretty imaginative we can think of other things uh why is it they're playing so hard and fast with the amount of jobs that they're stating up to thousands when in fact it will only be approximately 170 to 230 jobs that are sustained through this plant Joe. well uh that's the same in terrorists. It's jobs, jobs, jobs. They want the jobs. Uh, you know, the jobs, uh, when they moved outside of the city, the jobs would still land in the city because this city is the center uh, of the interior, central British Columbia, and this is the main city. And so, you know, people that are, live in Mackenzie, they, they shop here. You can see them with Costco and, and those kind of things. They come here for entertainment during normal times, of course, not during COVID times, but during normal times, this, this is a regional city. It has a regional hospital. It has regional shopping centers. Uh, it has regional entertainment. It has specialized pools if they go into competition. You know, we have all those things, and we're developing more. Uh, over time, I would assume. So uh, we benefit from uh, a, a, a an industry, even if Mackenzie was to in, have this, or if it's uh, north of the city or just south of the city, wherever one of those four uh, properties in Isle Pierre was one that was part of mm-hmm. a part of that situation. So uh, we would benefit because those individuals and and even. You know, people that are working at Bear Lake uh, in the mill there, uh, some of them live just on the North uh, North Heart, Heart area uh, and, and commute, uh, which is not very good, but uh, that's the way of life, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I know people that commute to Alberta, right? Fort McMurray, they used to, not anymore, uh, but they used to when that was going strong so that 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 industry has died um, pretty badly so you don't know you know and, and and we're afraid that our forest industry is going to die I don't think it is there is a momentary lapse and the momentary lapse could be 10 20 years 
until you know that comes back again. Uh, we've we've suffered a COVID-like situation with with forced uh, with the force. So um, those things come and go. So now the jobs. Let's talk about the jobs. These jobs are not uh, for paper mill or pulp mill jobs. Not all of them. And considerable number are specialized jobs. So the people that will come here, the same as, as uh, people come uh, to, to uh, uh, maintain the plants, uh, the, the pulp mill plants, they come from out of town. They do that the world over. They travel. They're, they're international people. The chemical industry is probably even higher, more so. Uh, so when, when, when they shut down the plant for a while or, or, or do maintenance in the plant, those people will come from outside. They'll spend money here in the hotels, uh, restaurants, nightclubs, you know, things like that. They'll spend money. But they, uh, the money that they really earn goes back to their home, wherever their house is, wherever their family is. It has to support that. So that's not, that's partly community money, but each one of those jobs is a portion of a job. Whether it's 50% or 30% or something, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. But so it, all jobs are not the same. So those people will, will come from out of town mainly. The people that will be there permanently will have to be specialized in that particular industry. Uh, some of the expertise will probably transfer over from the pulp mills, but not all of it. And I don't know what proportion that is. I'm not an expert again in that area. So what we would like to know from the proponents is tell me exactly who can apply for those jobs. And Tell me exactly, more or less, on past experience that they haven't had that past experience. Well, maybe they have through Nova when they worked for Nova in, in Alberta and in, 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 um, uh, Red Deer. Uh, they may have that experience with how many of that, you know, those people. So give us the, the whole knowledge of that. And so that people here aren't looking, oh, you know, I'm afraid of my job at the pulp mill, and I can just simply slide over there. No, you're probably going to have to have a degree in chemistry or something, or you're going to have uh, maybe two years technology uh, degree or, you know, a diploma. I don't know. But they, they know, they should know, and they should tell us, don't just frog jobs, you know, 700 or 500 or 7,000, I don't care how many it is. Tell us the details. Tell us who can apply. Yes, absolutely, and that's my thoughts exactly, knowing how industry does work, that majoritively the folks would be coming from out of town or it would be specialized jobs. So, in fact, I do not see them, uh, uh, in fact, fulfilling the obligations of, of local uh, hire. So yeah. thank you, Joe. I totally yeah. appreciate that. And thanks for coming on. I'm sure we're going to continue this conversation another time. And um, uh, it's been great talking to you. We're going to sign you off for now and say thanks for joining me. Okay. One, one more thing. Awesome. Um, if anybody is interested, uh, website. Yes. Uh, Pacha uh, hyphen. So P A C H A hyphen P G dot C A, and uh, there will be some stuff on there, and you can become a member. 
Excellent. And as far as those city maps uh, you were saying earlier about the things, what, what, how would people uh, find those? The city maps, I can actually put links on patches, uh, but give me a couple of days and I'll do that. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the work you do and uh, just staying on top of everything for us, Joe. You have a great day and a Merry Christmas. And okay. Take care. Life Labs has launched its COVID-19 antibody test. Approved by Health Canada, the test helps customers and their health care providers determine prior COVID-19 infection. If you're interested in getting the COVID-19 antibody test, please talk to your health care provider. For more information on how to get the test, plus frequently asked questions, the process, and reviewing your results, visit the COVID-19 antibody test page at lifelabs.com. The Seniors Resource Centre at 721 Victoria Street is now open Monday through Thursday. People can come to the centre between 945 and 145 to access the services they need. Please do not come if you are experiencing any signs of illness such as fever or a cough or have had recent contact with someone who is isolating. Wearing a mask at the centre is mandatory. The Seniors Resource Centre, 721 Victoria Street, open Monday through Thursday from 945 to 145. Hello from Tops and Bottoms. We are now seeing our clients by appointment only. Please wear your mask too since the fitting will not allow for much social distance. To make an appointment, please visit our website topsandbottoms.ca or Google us and find the book link. You can also call the store at 250-614-1553 Tops and Bottoms at the corner of 2nd and Victoria. Through their digital delivery instruction initiative, CNC is offering an opportunity for you to get your bookkeeping certificate online. DDI uses interactive real-time instruction delivered with video technology and support through a classroom at any of their six campuses. Cost is about $3,500 with the course scheduled to start in January. Full details and registration are available through the Programs and Courses link at cnc.bc.ca. The Bookkeeping Certificate Program, starting in January at CNC. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we're back here talking about the new petrochemicals plant that's... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, hopefully not going to be coming to Prince George. But if it does, you know, what do we do? Um, but we're going to try our darndest to not have that happen. Um, we're talking to Dr. Marie Hay now. Uh, and thank you so much, Dr. Hay, for coming on the show to discuss this issue with us. Good morning, Echo, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So uh, when we were speaking, well, you know my stand on this, that plastics should be stopped. We, I mean, we went so far as to stop using plastic straws and things like that, and yet here we are now, we're going to put more plastic into the world. Can you perhaps tell us about a study, since we don't seem to have any in Canada, our environmental protection agencies seem to have collapsed over the last 20 years. There was a Swedish study. Could you perhaps... Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, indeed. Um, there's a, a very similar petrochemical plastics plant in an area of Sweden, and they did a study which showed up to 35 kilometers all around that plant is contaminated. The land, water, and air is contaminated with fugitive plastic dust and plastic pellets. 
Um, it's quite frightening, actually, to uh, realize the depth and breadth of the plastic pellet dust contamination because, as you know, plastics do not degrade except over hundreds and hundreds of years. And you get this cumulative effect of, you know, annual increases time over time. There was another study done in 2016 in the United Kingdom at a similar plastics plant, and they found 5 to 53 billion pellets yearly losses into the environment. I mean, it's just frightening. Truly, truly, that uh, that just feeds into the water, into the land, into our bodies, into our endocrine systems, which uh, basically stop growth. Uh, they're just horrible, horrible, and stay in our body till till uh, we're gone and destroy us, probably. And the, with the toxins that they put into our water, land, and ourselves. What exactly are we going to be taking from from our land? What's the what's the consequence of feeding this mill with what it needs per se water? Uh, it's very interesting that you should talk about water because um, they have estimated they need six hundred and fifty cubic meters of water per hour to meet the requirements for the ethylene plant. That's per now, hour. Yeah, that's per hour. Now, what people don't realize, they think, oh, 650 cubic meters. Well, that is 650,000 liters per hour, which if you talk in terms of swimming pools, is basically close to double uh, the swimming pool downtown being taken from the groundwater every hour. So almost two full swimming pools of water pulled out of the ground. Now, they do, they do say in their submission to the Ministry of the Environment that water will be withdrawn from either the Fraser River or from groundwater wells. Now, there are, I believe, two groundwater wells on the BCR site that they propose to build this plant. Now, because it's fee simple land, those wells are not regulated by the province, so they can take from the groundwater however much they want. Now, you know, who in their right mind is going to take muddy, dirty water from the Fraser to uh, run their pristine, so-called pristine um, industrial petrochemical plant? They don't want dirty water. They want clean water. And where are they going to find clean water? It's going to be from the ground. So uh, I would wonder what's going to happen to the water table uh, around that area. Yeah, I would I would suspect we'd end up almost what uh, Alberta's having problems with now that they've lost a lot of their groundwater as well as their below table wells as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean we also have to think in terms of light pollution, how that affects plant cycles. Um, so when you say light, po- light pollution, what is it that you mean uh well, I mean, these petrochemical plants are just ablaze with lights 24-7. Yes. Um, I mean, the, they just 
throw out light everywhere. I, I don't know if anybody's ever driven south of Edmonton past the petrochemical alley there. I mean, you're blinded by the light. And that affects how, you know, migration pathways, reproduction of animals and everything like that. And then you have noise pollution, which, you know, causes sleep disturbance and high blood pressure and heart disease in humans. So, I mean, this is all going to be built within three kilometers of college heights. So they're going to get the brunt of the light pollution and the noise pollution. Now, the air pollution, that's going to be trapped in the bowl because of our geography. And that is, is probably one of the most concerning things is that our airshed cannot afford any more heavy-duty emitting industries like the petrochemical plant. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Hay, we've got to go for a little break right now, but we're going to be right back to uh, talk about this very, very important subject that people uh, deserve to be informed on. So we'll be back shortly with more Dr. Marie Hay on After 9. Your public library is committed to anti-racism. The library board has produced a list of actions to solidify this commitment. Actions include reviewing and updating library procedures to ensure people of color are treated with dignity and respect, developing a policy that supports the recruitment of people of color at all levels of the organization, and creating programs and events specifically for people of color. The entire statement can be found online at pgpl.ca slash statements slash anti-racism. Join Wendy Framst for Winter Wonderland in February. Learn about texture, positive and negative shapes, and how to incorporate these in your artistic compositions. It's all from the comfort of your own home via Zoom. Registration is available through tworiversgallery.ca or by contacting the gallery. Winter Wonderland, an online art course from Wendy Framst, Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 in February through Two Rivers Gallery where creativity flows online at tworiversgallery.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, wind up 15K, a high of minus 1 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 6. Partly cloudy tonight, wind continuing, a low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 11. For Tuesday, sunny, wind continuing, a high of minus 3 with a wind chill to minus 11 in the afternoon. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hey, yes, thank you for staying tuned here on uh, After 9 with Echo Wiley. I'd just like to say this is uh, basically my first few months of this rodeo here, and I am a little bit jittery now and then, but I thank you for your patience, and I thank Dr. Hay for being on. She's speaking with us about the petrochemical plant, about the consequences of for our health, our quality of life, and anything else that you can imagine to do with this. So, Dr. Hay, uh, it's been uh, quite a process uh, of public engagement, and you've been here since the beginning. How has that been for you? How have you personally and professionally felt towards the uh, way that uh, Olefins has dealt with us as citizens of Prince George? Well, I think that how uh, we have been dealt a hand is uh, there's no transparency. The public were informed at a very late stage of this. And, I mean, if you you look at the bizarre behaviors of this company, coming to Prince George, uh, 
having secret talks with the city, with contractors, but not not being transparent with the public um, until a late stage, uh, late in the in the game, so to speak. And then when they did meet opposition, they pulled up their uh, shocks and said, oh, we're moving north to near Summit Lake, to McLeod Lake Territory. Now, we have the whole issue of respect and reconciliation for First Nations, um, particularly with regard to their unceded territorial rights. And I think that West Coast Olufsen met two very intelligent chiefs, chiefs of the Kaitlei Tene and of McLeod Lake, and they met their match. And I think they were seen through. So then what happened, they uh, pulled up their roots again and they went over to Kitimat, where they was a big splash in the interior news on the 2nd of October of uh, this year, where Ken James said he was going to build a petrochemical plant over there that wasn't just a measly $5.6 billion. This was going to be 10 to $14 billion. Of, and would bring in thousands of high-skilled, high-paying, long-term jobs going forward. Right? Where have we heard all of this uh, kind of stuff before? Right? Yes. And he said, uh, that they had investors from India and all this kind of stuff. And now they are leaving Kitimat and coming back to Prince George like they're bouncing all over the place. What kind of a reputable firm would do something like that? I mean, I'm not a business person, but I can tell you that's bizarre behavior to me. And um, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to whip up plastic gold fever all over the place and the 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 jobs the the promise of jobs, 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 jobs. You know, all of us want safe, clean, sustainable, good paying jobs. Industries which are good for human health as well as animal fish and plant health and for environmental health. We all want those good jobs. But these dirty jobs that go with petrochemical plants and plastics, they're not good for us. They're not good for the environment. And, you know, there's a saying that fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And if I was an investor with any kind of money, there'd be no way I would be investing in a company like this with their track record. And, in fact, I'd be wanting to go back to Alberta and see, you know, what, uh, what's the track record of the people in this company back in Alberta? That's what I would be wanting to do. Yes, absolutely. And uh, especially uh, considering they're a uh, specialized, uh, special, special heavy industry designation, and putting something like that so close to a city just just doesn't seem uh, to be the thing to do. Joe had touched on zoning, and and uh, what what is the uh, necessity of changing to that special heavy industrial designation? Could you perhaps fill us in on that? 
Well, my understanding is that there is no place available inside the city of Prince George for uh, an industry designated special heavy industry like the petrochemical plant. And so I'm not sure how they're going to get um, zoning for that. Um, I mean, that in itself uh, is going to be a nightmare for the city because there will be such opposition and you're probably looking at legal um, cases being taken to oppose rezoning such special heavy industry within the bowl uh, of Prince George because this area and the BCR site is in the bowl. There's no doubt. I mean, who in their right minds would build something like this inside of a city? I mean, it's just Yes, yes, it does seem to be that, and uh, it's almost like we're being sacrificed. Uh, Is there uh, a history of of things like this happening? I mean, we've we've had uh, such a lack of jobs. Yeah, throughout the world, um, there are communities called sacrifice communities where uh, there's, you know, depressed socioeconomic circumstances. And big companies, uh, petrochemical plants, and all this kind of stuff, they see that and they see opportunity to move in because the people are so desperate for jobs. And, you know, maybe our, our city leaders are so, uh, you know, our city is bleeding a lot of money at the moment due to COVID and everything and uh, projects which have gone, you know, $10 million over budget and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we're bleeding money left, right, and center. So people are desperate to get. Um, jobs at any cost and tax dollars and all this kind of stuff. So we become a sacrificed community. But then once you get a foot in the door, you get all of these other companies coming in as well, very similar companies. So it's not just one petrochemical plant that you would find happening, it would be a whole bevy of them coming in later because uh, the gateway has been opened, so to speak, by this one industry coming into our city. Um, you know, the, the air quality has improved over the past decade, and this was many, 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 many people fought hard and long to improve the air quality of this city. And they worked closely with the emitting industries who, you know, put in $250 million to try and clean up the air. But there is that thing called the precautionary principle. And, you know, don't do something that you know is going to harm the community. Don't do it and then try and clean up afterwards. Just don't put it in in the first place. Truly, truly, especially since the uh, 170 nations in the world have pledged to significantly reduce plastics within the world, the outpouring of waste from from uh, the global devastation of this has been, uh, well, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, India, Indonesia have uh created restrictions where they refuse to import any more plastic waste. The oceans are are full, full, full of this stuff. It's been proven they're killing uh, 
oceanic life left, right, and center. And there's going to be counting on uh, countries like Bangladesh, Laos, Ethiopia, and Senegal, where labor's cheap and environmental regulations are low. So there's waste going to be going to that. We're getting things on the news about our recycling programs don't even, in fact, actually aren't even working, that the plastic is just coming to waste. Do we really need more uh, another plastic plant other than just to facilitate a corporation to give a few jobs to send the product they're making to somewhere that uh, isn't even helping Canadians? Really? How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I mean, according to the submissions of the Ministry of the Environment, they, uh, West Coast Olufsen said that they expected 170 to 230 full-time permanent jobs. And as Joe said, these are going to be very highly specialized technical jobs um, that they're going to have to bring in um, outside uh, expertise to run most of those jobs. Um and then they're going to export this to China or to Asia somewhere to, you know, to make into further plastics. We need to rethink what we are doing. We cannot keep polluting our environment, our world this way. We only have one home. We share it with 8 billion people. We have to do our part to sustain our world and keep it healthy for everybody and every living species. Absolutely, absolutely, Dr. Hay. Well, we're going to take another quick break and would you stick around and finish the show off with us? Uh, maybe gather some final thoughts and, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute with Dr. Hay. Construction is complete on a project to upgrade the intersection of Domano Boulevard with St. Lawrence Avenue and Gladstone Drive. The new signals operate in a manner similar to those at 22nd and Ospica. The lights remain green on Domano until a vehicle approaches the intersection on Gladstone or St. Lawrence. The updated intersection has vehicle detection technology and pedestrian-activated crosswalks. The City of Prince George thanks residents for their patience as crews carried out this important operation and for driving cautiously around road crews. On through January 3rd at Two Rivers Gallery, Little Fires by Amanda Strong. Little Fires includes four stop-motion films along with the intricate sets used to create them. The films focus on Indigenous history, culture, language and knowledge. It's the largest exhibition of Strong's stop-motion sets and films to date. Little Fires by Amanda Strong. On through January 3rd at Two Rivers Gallery, open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Check out the results of local artist Linda Abbott's Kids Art Days in the Community Project at Two Rivers Gallery. Over 100 biomorphic buildings were painted by community members in their own unique styles and have been incorporated into a beautiful community collage. With support from the Government of Canada and the City of Prince George, the biomorphic city is on display through the end of the year in the Make Art, Make Sense room at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Provincial orders have once again restricted members of the public from attending Prince George City Council meetings. While the meetings are proceeding as scheduled, members of the public, including media, may not attend in person until further notice. A live stream of the meetings, including those of the Finance and Audit Committee, are available through the city's webpage, prince-george.ca/council. 
Further information about City of Prince George COVID-19 initiatives and activities can be found at princegeorge.ca slash COVID-19. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, hello and welcome back. Uh, Dr. Hay, you're still with us? Yes, I'm still with you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for sticking around. I, I know we discussed just oh, having an open line was what I had hoped to do with this and have people call in with their opinions, but down here we weren't sure whether that was going to work out or not. So um, now what I kind of like to get into is a little more on, uh, let's say, ethical side of how things have been going. It's very tough with COVID. Uh, we can't have the normal public meetings that we would. And how, how should we be getting together? Uh, like they had a meeting at the House of Ancestors in August 2019, uh, to do with uh, the plant and what was going on and a few other things rolled out from that but there wasn't a lot of public there it was mostly contractors and such and uh, how, how are we going to do something to get the public more engaged? Well that's a very good question um, there are a number of environmental groups like Pacha uh, there is another group uh, called Too Close to Home, mm-hmm. and a further group called Concerned Citizens of Summit Lake. And um, what we're all going to have to do is work together to oppose this um, and, you know, get the city and the community educated as to the pros and cons of this. I don't see too many pros myself. I see a lot of cons. Um, but education is the big thing. And I know that uh, last year the um, Center of Peace and Reconciliation held at St. Michael and All Angels held a big workshop run by some fourth-year university students. Uh, and we had, I think, close to 100 people at it discussing this uh, petrochemical plant. It was a wonderful workshop put on by the students. I, I was really very impressed and they, you know, uh, created a, uh, a document from that. So I think um, we're going to have to put our thinking caps on, start to work together, and how to pivot ourselves to engage the community during COVID. Um, because this is this would be an ideal time to slip this in without uh, people creating too much fuss because of COVID, uh, people's attention is elsewhere and their anxiety levels are um, raised because of the virus. But, you know, we have to think in terms of the long term, not just the short term. And when we're talking about this special heavy polluting plastics, petrochemical plant, we have to think in terms of the outdoor pollution of the air, water and land. We have to think of the indoor pollution to the workers of the plant, particularly with regards to their exposure to nanoparticles, which are way smaller than the fine particulate 2.5s, which is so dangerous for human health. The nanoparticles are even more dangerous. The, um, the volatile organic compounds like benzene and formaldehyde, which cause uh, cancers, the phthalates and the plastics, which are the endocrine disruptors, and the heavy metals which stick onto the surfaces of um, the dust. So the workers 
you know, if you look at the research throughout the world, there's a 400% increase in breast cancer. There's increase in testicular and prostate cancer, brain cancer in the workers uh, of these plants. I mean, I, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's a bit like our first responders, our firefighters, when they go to fires and they're exposed to all sorts of toxins in the fires, they have a higher instance of um, cancer, uh, of environmental cancers due to the job that they do. And, I, I, you know, the workers in these petrochemical plants, I don't think that they're informed of the consequences of work, working in um, the... I don't... They don't understand... They're not educated as to the consequences of working in a... An industry like this, and at <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and at and at any point, uh, any job that deals with uh, anything like that, people are consistently having to uh, ignore their health issues on a regular basis, and it's it's very difficult. Uh, people who work in printing shops, people who work anywhere, and if they are are uninformed, then that's that's uh, just. Not, yeah, not and good at all. As, as a pediatrician, my big concern is the effect on children. So it's not just the light and noise pollution effect on children. It's the heavy metals which are absorbed into on the surfaces of the plastic dust that get absorbed into the bodies of the women workers. And stays the heavy metals, lead, mercury, cadmium, stay in the body of the women. And then when they get pregnant, even if they've left the industry for a decade... Um, if they get pregnant, the heavy metals which are lodged in their bodies, uh, brought in on the vector of the plastic dust, that gets redistributed into the brain of the unborn child. And so you have uh, an association with uh, autism and ADHD. And um, it's not the only cause of these issues, but it's, uh, it has been associated in the literature with exposure in utero to heavy metals brought in by vectors like, such as plastic dust. Truly, truly, and that uh, falls not only on the heads of women, but I would suspect that the same thing would happen to men within their sperm count and such like that as well. So, you know, and we have enough problems with um, unborn children being affected by prenatal exposure to alcohol and drugs in our community. We certainly don't need any further, um, you know, assaults on our uh, future generation Truly. for their neurodevelopment. Truly, truly. And that just bodes to another show that we may have called Universal Healthcare System. <laughs> but for now, we're just going to leave it at this. Uh, we've come to the end of our hour here. Dr. Hay, thank you so much. You're just... Uh, thank you for having me on, oh, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share some of the science. No problem. I'm so happy to be able to facilitate that for you. Come to the end of the show. Thank you, Dr. Hay, and thank you to all our listeners for coming on. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, and God bless you all. 
After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the BC Old Time Fiddlers.